Good morning. It's a beautiful sunny in the old Pueblo. You're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored, all-volunteer-powered rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to speak with Joe O'Connell. He's the son of an artist and a mathematician, and his passion for creating toys and gadgets eventually led him here to Tucson, where he leads his company, Creative Machines, and they produce art and interactive exhibits all over the world. We'll hear that story in just a moment. Today is November 19th, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic development in Tucson's urban core. And we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the University of Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available on your iPhone or Android with our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. If you want to interact with us on the show, you can join us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want more information about us, our book, past episodes, or simply to contact us, head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org. And of course, you can listen to our podcast on all kinds of platforms like Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and the like. And a huge shout out to uh, the friends of the Saddlebrook Libraries. It was uh, really fun for me. They invited me uh, to speak at their luncheon uh, earlier this week, and um, it was uh, like a hundred some people were there, and I got to talk about the book and life along the streetcar, and talk to an audience that not all of them get downtown into the urban core. Got to share some fun stories, and uh, I think I think we may have uh, helped a few decide to come down and explore Tucson. So if you are one of those uh, that were at the luncheon, I really appreciate you giving me that opportunity, and hope uh, you do come explore. And if you're coming downtown, December 1st might be a good day to come downtown because the Tucson Gallery uh, and the Proper Shops are celebrating their one-year anniversary. It was December 1st of 2022 when this endeavor launched. Um, We've talked about this. It's a collective of several different retail shops, and the Tucson Gallery is inside of the Proper Shops. It's at 300 East Congress, across the street from Hotel Congress, um, in the same block as the Rialto Theater. Uh, we offer arts and merchandise from 30 local artists, and the other retailers have other local goods like clothing, jewelry, and uh, home goods as well. So our one-year anniversary is coming up, and uh, we'd love to see you out there and exploring. The exploration of downtown for me always involves uh, uh, some of our public art. I love Toby the Griffin. Um, there's a great display at the U of A, uh, interactive uh, display of, of how the uh, energy is used and shared around the university. Uh, it's just really fun. And I found out that all these are done by a company here in Tucson called Creative Machines. And they um, they do things globally. Uh, I happen to run into them over at 10 West, which was fa- fabulous to meet someone there. Uh, but uh, I had a chance to speak with the director, the uh, the founder, as a matter of fact, uh, Joseph O'Connell, who, uh, who moved here some years ago, head up Creative Machines. He's got a new cool project coming and uh, just a really, really fun interview. So uh, here's my phone interview with Joseph O'Connell. So we are joined today by the inspiration, the founder of a Tucson company called Creative Machines. And you know, I kind of stumbled upon them accidentally at the 10 West Festival, which is, I think, what the 10 West Festival is designed to do. And then when I found out all the cool stuff uh they were doing in Tucson, this in you know the urban core. I was like, I got to talk to them and 
And uh, Joe, I know you're, you're busy and I appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with me, but welcome to uh, Life Along the Streetcar. Thank you. And I'm so glad you found us. We are a little bit of a well-kept secret in Tucson. We do a lot of work around the world, actually. We're one of the world's largest art design and uh, fabrication firms run by a single artist. And we are based here in Tucson. And we got our start here in Tucson doing amazing projects that you can see around town. So my wife and I moved to Tucson in 2000. And a lot of the projects we've done in Tucson are really just sort of a conversation with the city about what what people want. So, for instance, um, the piece we installed about a year ago, the Wet Wheel, which is part of the Downtown Links project, was actually one of our first commissions. Um, but you know, the what the the, um, the the Downtown Links project took some time to come to fruition. But the idea came from there's not really any splash parks in downtown, mm-hmm. and I would ride my bike. Um, to and from my studio, between my studio and home. And I would typically uh, get myself soaking wet on one end and then be hot and dry and sweaty in the middle and thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to have some form of squirting art here? And that idea kind of grew. And then lo and behold, we had uh, our son who, when he was about six, um, saw me sketching it up and he said, oh, dad, I know exactly what that does. But what if people don't want to get squirted? And so that led to the little circular path that adjoins the main path. So it's not on the main path. You circle through it as many times as you want. And, and, I, have, and then, I have circled through it. So it, it is a refreshing uh, little blast of, uh, of water as you're going through. It's very interesting, too, when you're, when you're on a bike. And it, it definitely is nothing like that in Tucson. And I really can't wait till the bike path is complete and I will become a regular user of it when it goes through all the way. And hopefully by next summer, we'll all be getting refreshed on it. But that idea of, you know, coming to Tucson, actually, I moved to Tucson. My wife is my fiance. So I've been in Tucson, a single person, a married person, a married person with a child. And now he's off at college. So just experiencing the different phases of life living in Tucson has led to many, many of our pieces. So another thing that we're we're doing Th- throughout the years, we would host people to visit creative machines. So our, our facilities is eight acres. It's huge. And, um, we're always making interactive exhibits. We're making monumental sculptures, many of which are interactive for destinations all over the world. And so several times a year, we invite the public to come and visit. And our son and his friends were always, um, visitors as well. And I would see families coming and everyone would say, really, I wish you would do this all the time. And I'd be like, oh, it's so much work to like close things down, unplug the table saw, you know, make sure people can't get hurt, which which has never happened, of course. And then, you know, host people. So that's from that came the idea for our newest Tucson venture, which is Second Sky, which is a not-for-profit that we've formed to every day host people to an adventure playground with a food and beverage destination a robust program of after-school support, support for homeschool and micro-schools, and then evening and weekend events and programming for the whole family. Wow. Where, where, um, where is this located? So we are located, um, the biggest cross streets are Irvington and Alvernon, which is kind of in the southeast corner of Tucson, but we are right at the base 
of Contractors Way, which is what Aviation Parkway leads to. So we're actually closer to the east side than downtown is. And many of our visitors through the year have come from Vail and other communities to the southeast to visit us where we are a closer destination than many of the destinations downtown. Hmm. And, and, and then the second sky, that's going to be on your, on that same property. It is. We're going to take about um, close to two acres of space on creative machines, eight acres and uh, formally make it for this not-for-profit. And um, we have an an existing 12,000 square foot building that we recently remodeled. And then we'll be taking about 40,000 square feet of outdoor space to make a really shaded, verdant and welcoming outdoor social space. Wow. And yeah. And then, you know, the interesting thing is that it would be available for kids, adults, families, et cetera. And the typical American refrain you hear is, in business at least, is, oh, focus on your market, target that market, and go for that market. But I'm like, well, when I was a parent growing up, um, you know, I like to drink beer, in moderation, of course, and our son would be going to a birthday party. And if it was next to a brewery, I'd be like, oh, I'll take him, you know, and I'd (laughs) hang out with the other parents. Um, And that's what adults like to do, is they like to socialize with each other in close proximity to their kids playing. And if you think of like a European city square or the way village life has been organized for, you know, probably 50,000 years of our evolutionary history, that's what we do is we segregate ourselves into activity groups that have a lot of overlap. We don't really have whole entire buildings just devoted to narrow age ranges in, in, in the bigger sweep of human history. And so, again, that personal experience, having a family in Tucson made me realize there would be an opportunity to let parents play with their kids, but also have their own, the socialization that they need with their peers. Yeah. And, and how far along is this project? Is it opening soon or, or, or where, where are we in that timeline? Well, it, as, as all things do, it comes down to money. We are starting our capital campaign and we're hoping to raise just a little over $3 million, which is not an unrealistic sum of money. We already have the building and and the grounds. We have relationships with a number of existing Tucson not-for-profits that would use this space. Um, We have, we we did a little test event in the end of September and we got hundreds of people. So we know we have an audience. We we applied for and got our liquor license. Um, We just need, we need we need some donors to step forward and um, contribute to our capital campaign. That's where we're at. I, I'm very anxious to see how this all turns out. Cause it, again, just when I heard the name creative uh, machines, you and I were kind of joking before we came on air, I thought it was going to be like an AI related software. And, and then I was talking to one of your uh, designers at 10 West and she was explaining some of the work that you do. And, <laughs> and I, I mean, I've been talking about your work for years. I just didn't know it. Like I, Toby, the, the downtown Griffin, I love telling that story. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the interactivity of a still statue because of, you know, the, the path that you've given him from the old library, the, now the children's museum, I think that's just a phenomenal story that is so connected, you know, connects you not only to, the history of Tucson, but you have a beautiful statue and you're connected to literally the earth. Cause you, 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 you show people how to, uh, you know, retrace the steps of that Griffin. I think I just thought that was amazing. 
That's such a beautiful way to put it. I hadn't thought about it that way. But what you mentioned highlights the ways in which things can be interactive in the public sphere. They don't have to have push buttons and blinking lights to be interactive. They just have to invite people. um, There's sort of a common way of describing public spaces as the first place is home, the second place is work, the third place is the public square, is, is public spaces. And in that public space, we need these third objects so that you and I can interact with each other. Um, if you just sit us in a sterile landscape and chairs facing each other, we'll feel awkward to not have anything to say. But you put us next to a sculpture with footprints on the ground and we'll get to talking, our kids will interact. And so a lot of times we say we make the stuff that helps communities interact with each other. You know, we make that third object in a space that helps people triangulate you, me, and an interesting object that we can interact with together. We're talking with Joe O'Connell of Creative Machines. We'll be back to the second half of that interview talking about uh, a fun project over at the University of Arizona and to get more information about Uh, his upcoming venture with Second Sky. My name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 18- 2420 Nova NMLS number 3087 VK number 0902429 Equal housing opportunity Let's jump back into our interview with Joe O'Connell He is the uh, president founder of Creative Machines They're doing interactive exhibits, art, uh, all kinds of, of interesting things across the globe and they're situated here in Tucson. They've done a lot of projects in the Urban Core. We've talked about a couple of them. And uh, there's one at the U of A Mall uh, on campus that I uh, didn't know they'd created until recently. I thought it was really fascinating. We'll talk about that and more about his project with the, uh, the Second Sky Event Center. Well, and then on the other end of the streetcar route at the U of A, and I didn't know until I was researching for this show that this was one of your projects. The, the, uh, uh, it's on the, the U of A campus on the mall. And there is a display kind of showing the the um, um, solar energy or the the energy savings that the, the university you know has and how they create their own energy. And you've got a, a model design in there that's you know really kind of just demonstrating how all this energy is being used and saved. It's just phenomenal. That was a thrilling project to work on. We worked with TEP and the University of Arizona on that. And it started just with some conversations in our boardroom. We're actually neighbors to TEP. Their generating station is across the street from us. So they came over when the idea was just sort of vaguely percolating. And on our whiteboard, we sketched the generation, storage, and flow of energy throughout the southwestern United States, where... Um, TEP is exchanging power with um, Southern California utilities, with New Mexico utilities, like when the wind is blowing in New Mexico is just about the time when people in Tucson are turning on their air conditioners and how it's stored in batteries um, and how there's banks of panels. And then one of the bigger energy users is the U of A. And so we'd have fans doing the wave in the stadium. It all, that, that, that art piece you see there is like a three-dimensional expression of what we diagrammed on the whiteboard 
And a lot of a lot of ideas happen that way in collaboration with our clients. Yeah, it just it's just amazing to me how educational something can be, and, and it's almost sort of like subtly educational. It's just fun. Like you're just looking at it, and it's just fun to see all these pieces, and you don't realize until you kind of get into it. Oh crap! I'm learning something. Darn it! I didn't mean to learn anything today. Yeah. So. Um. Just to go back to Toby, for instance, Toby wasn't just made up entirely. There used to be Griffin sculptures on. There were, there were four Griffin sculptures across the west edge of the Children's Museum, which at the time was a Carnegie Library. And those were removed after a fire and the whole western edge was remodeled. So there's, a, there's architectural history. And mm-hmm. the reason why the footprints are in the ground is that the idea is one of those griffins escaped being remodeled and jumped off. And the footprints from the sculpture lead back to the corner of what's now the Children's Museum, but used to be the library, where that griffin jumped off of. And there's actually... We worked with the landscape architecture firm um, at the time to develop the text in the, there's um, markers up at I think it's um it's at Broadway and Scott that explain a little bit of that history. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's always a, a second layer. So for instance, one of the first pieces we did, Desert O, which is the glowing donut in front of the art museum, has a secret button. It has uh, one of the bolts. If you touch it, it looks the same as every other bolt, but it lets you change the color at night. Oh, get out. Sculpture. Get out. I've seen that sculpture no, no, for years. I, oh, I'm so excited. Well, I can't wait to go back there now. Let me tell you and your listeners how to find the secret button. If you face um, the donut facing north, and it's um, it's on Alameda. It's where the street widens, and there's a little island in the center just to the south of the art museum. So if you walk to the island and face the sculpture from the south side, you'll see it's covered with little stainless steel bolts about half an inch or less in diameter. Right where your knee is, there's a single bolt in the middle, and that is a touch sensor, even though it doesn't look any different. And the sculpture goes through a different color program every night of the week. It has seven different programs that it rotates through, so one for each day. But you can change it and do your own color scheme Mm. by touching that bolt. And the idea was I I told 10 people when it was installed, and each of them was supposed to tell 10 people, and those people were supposed to tell 10 people. And every once in a while, I'll be downtown, and someone will come up to me and say, hey, I want to show you a secret, (laughs) and they'll show it to me. So I know it didn't totally die out, but every once in a while, I have to tell more people Well, well, we will keep it going. Well, the good news is I think my entire listenership might be 10 people, so you may have told 10 more people. So that's uh – that's all that's, we need. That's and good. they'll tell 10 people. <laughs> wow. I, you know, it, it's just so amazing to me, the things that we pass by and, and I don't, I don't want to say yours go unnoticed because, because the work that, the, that, that your company does is very noticeable, but I would not have connected the work at the U of A with Toby, with the, 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 uh, multicolored donut. Those are three things that are just distinctly different in, in appearance and creativity. And I, I wouldn't have thought of them being connected. And, and it's really, Really interesting, as I look through your website, to see these projects all over the world that are doing this in communities, you know, just like Tucson, but in, you know, in, in different parts of the of the world. A lot of times people ask us, yeah, what is the connecting thread? And, and they'll remark that we've evolved through the years. And I say, well, if you go back to the founding, the mission statement from 1995 is um, we create objects and environments that encourage creativity, support social interaction, and inspire self-confidence, which um, that's two years before the phrase experience economy sort of entered Mm. the popular imagination. This idea that we are creating 
experiences, not things. Because back in 95, I think plastic, plastic clunky computers, Blackberries, I don't know, um, no real social media. Um, there wasn't the sense that you would have experiences in public. That, that the, the, I think there was a sense that all of the things that made your life worth living happened in private or were things that you owned. And now I think that attention has turned to some degree, maybe, maybe for the wrong way. It's experiences you have in public and can post on social media. <laughs> but yeah. attention has turned to the public sphere. And so we never said at the start, oh, we're a museum exhibit firm or we're a ball machine company or we're a public art company. We do all of those. And in five years, you're doing new things too. It's all about those objects and environments to encourage human flourishing in community. Well, and, and Joe, I mean, we, we don't have a nearly enough time on a show to go into the depths of the work that you've done and like to maybe schedule a follow-up for early in the year and, and kind of get a sense of some of these other projects that you've been working on. But I don't want to leave without talking again about, um, you know, this, this project that you're working on at your facility. You know, when you talk about all the things that are happening around the community and I look at them condensed into like one area called Second Sky, you know, to me, it's just it's it's like an it's going to be like an amusement park and, and and for creativity i think so so if you think about the flourishing that we've seen across america in the last 5 to 10 years of places like meow wolf um super blue arch tech house in my opinion all of them are focused on a relatively high admission fee for an amazing experience but you're not going to come back the next day we are completely different from that i want to be Second Sky to be a place you come, you know, three, four times a week and your your child gets bused there as part of an after school program and then child care is provided. And then you come and you have happy hour with your friends and you have um, a healthy, fast, casual meal. And then you stick around for like a rocket launch or a stargazing party or how to think about applying to colleges in the evening. And then in the weekend, it's a dance party or a wedding or a corporate event. I don't see the reason why all of that can't happen in the same space and flourish every day. Like it's your second home. Well, I, I don't, I, I don't have any doubts with uh, your ability and your creativity to, uh, to make this a reality. How do people find out more though? Are you on social media? Do you, I mean, where do people learn about the project right or how now, to donate? The best place is secondsky.org, our website, which we're redoing as we speak. But yeah, go to secondsky.org for an overview. There is a donate page. And um, you can you can follow a link to send me an email. Um, what we're looking for is really partners, is people who want to take the lead. Um, the, the way fundraising works in Tucson is if you have one or two brave people who give significantly and say, I really want to be part of this, then the rest follows. One of the issues we have is a lot of projects don't really get off the ground in Tucson and everywhere. And so we are looking for people to take the lead, but we're also looking for people who want to say, hey, if you did this, I would volunteer. And we've already had a lot of people say that they would love to volunteer. So you go to that website, secondsky.org, and use the link on the Contact Us page to get in touch. All right. Well, we've got Joe O'Connell. He's the president, the artistic director, the, the, uh, sort of the, the founder of Creative Machines with projects all over Tucson and the world. Fabulous, exciting new uh uh, event space and the collaborative space coming hopefully soon, but we need to help him get there. Joe, I really uh, appreciate you taking your time today and, and look forward to maybe catching up with you again and getting into more depth about some of the things that you're doing. Thanks. We'll talk in a few months and I look forward to it. 
Thank you. Joseph O'Connell, founder, president, uh, inspiration behind Creative Machines and their their uh, ongoing and upcoming project here, Second Sky. Really, really fascinating uh, what happens when you get a, a mathematician and an artist together and they create a child and he goes out into the world to combine all of these uh, all of these skill sets and, and attributes together. My name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and streaming on downtownradio.org. Support for Downtown Radio is provided by the Tucson Gallery, located in downtown Tucson inside of the proper shops at 300 East Congress Street. The Tucson Gallery offers original work, reproductions, and merchandise from Tucson artists like Joe Padgett, Jessica Gonzalez, Ignacio Garcia, and many more. For information about all the artists, including when they will be live at the gallery, head to the TucsonGallery.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook as Tucson Gallery. Well, this uh, episode 273 is coming to a rapid close here on this fabulous Sunday. But stick around. Ted Brzezelski's words and work will be next, followed by Ty Logan at the top of the hour. Back to the music uh, at 1 o'clock and rock and roll all week. Congratulations to the El Tour de Tucson riders and runners. They had a run for the first time this year. And uh, as someone who lives downtown and got to watch the run go right by their house and see these thousands of cyclists, some of the fastest in the world, riding right by. It was really, really fun to do that. I know there's traffic congestion and all that uh, stuff that we, we, we harp on, but really we're doing a lot of good for the community. We're raising awareness about Tucson, and the El Toro Tucson does raise a lot of money for uh, local charities. I believe this year they raised uh, JTED. Uh, the uh, JTED School District was one of the top fundraisers, so that's just fantastic. Uh, that we're we're doing that. It's worth, in my opinion, a, a little bit of aggravation if you're trying to get around town. And the new route going south, I think, is um, helpful that it uh, keeps the um, the northern congestion free. The uh, El Toro always fo- is, is always followed quickly by Thanksgiving. So uh, Thanksgiving will be coming up this Thursday. If you weren't aware, mark your calendars. I know it always slips by many of us. Uh, that was sarcasm. Um, but I, I to take the last few minutes here of the show and just thank you. Uh, I know it's kind of a cliche to say thank you to all of my supporters and fans out there. Um, but truly, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your efforts to uh, promote the show. I'm thankful uh, for the very kind words that I get from those of you that um, may write in or I see out in the public. And I want to thank a huge shout-out to the Downtown Radio family, um, all volunteers, downtownradio.org. If you check that site out, you'll see all these wonderful shows done by volunteers, um, our board, everyone, the technical part of it. Someone steps up and, and just does that for us without, without pay and uh, simply because they love what they're doing, and I am thankful for that. Many other things in my life I am blessed to be, but since this is a radio show, thought I would focus my gratitude on uh, those elements of my life. But I invite you to check out downtownradio.org. And if you're thankful for what uh, is provided by these wonderful volunteers, please uh, click that donate button. Remember to put December 1st on your calendar. That's the uh, Tucson Gallery and Proper Shops anniversary. Um, I'll be there. Maybe I'll see you there too. And um, gosh, yeah, it's been a, a rapidly 
uh, a rapidly uh, uh, moving year. So we'll see what we do for a year end here. I'm kind of excited about uh, maybe doing something different this year than we've done in our previous six years. Well, my name is Tom Heath. I want to thank Ryan Hood for the pleasure and courtesy of allowing us to use their music to open our show. We're going to leave you today with the Vince Guaraldi Trio. It's back from 1998 on the Charlie Brown Holiday Hits album. Uh, you're listening to the Thanksgiving theme. I hope you have a great week, a happy Thanksgiving, and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. <laughs>